So hello everyone, my name is Lee Nichols and I want to welcome all of you to the latest installment of Hydrocarbon Processing's podcast series, The Main Column. we got a very special guest joining us today, Paul Donnelly, Industry Marketing Director for Aspen Tech. So today we're actually going to dive into the world of front-end engineering design and a concept that they refer to as concurrent feed. So to tell us more about that, I'd like to welcome in our guest, Paul. Paul, how are you doing today? Very good, Lee. Glad to be with you again. Excellent. Yeah, I always enjoy our conversations. So first off, thanks for giving us a couple minutes uh, to discuss uh, this topic that's affecting our industry. So I got a couple questions for you. Um, so let's just jump right in. First, uh, let's just start off with a, a brief refresher on feed, especially for maybe those that are not that familiar with it or maybe they're new to the industry. So can you explain what feed is and why it matters? It, yeah, surely. I mean, Essentially, FEED is just an acronym for front-end engineering and design, um, but it really, in general use, it's kind of taken an, on an overly broad kind of meaning for almost any of the activities, um, you know, both engineering and estimating-wise that a plant owner would kind of take on to decide whether or not to proceed with a, a capital investment either on a, you know, greenfield or, or an existing facility. Um, you know, sometimes you'll hear it, it referred to differently. Sometimes people talk about it as feasibility studies, you know, which are early studies or conceptual design, which usually follows feasibility and then basic engineering. Sometimes if you look at those three things together, it's really what, what feed is to many people. Um, often you'll hear, hear it referred to as pre-feed and feed or even front-end loaded design or FEL with different phases, FEL 1, 2, and 3. But you know, regardless of what we call it, you know, these are essentially the steps that are that are undertaken very early in the life of a capital project when the owner is you know pulling together all the engineering and costing information that they're going to need as an owner as a financial investor you know to decide whether or not it makes sense to build uh, build the project and you know often also in addition to the financial stuff is kind of they determine the general design approach you know what technology will be used and what the what the general design approach would be and, and it all leads up to kind of what they call their final investment decision or FID, which is really the critical gate uh, to a project proceeding with the more costly phases of, you know, detailed design, procurement and construction. Um, you know, but beyond that kind of financial project go, no go decision, it's also uh, this critical early engineering data is developed in this phase. Um, when When key decisions are made that really lock in really important project factors that are going to determine, you know, things like what the capital cost is going to be, what it's going to cost to operate it. Some of the safety uh, programs are, are are scoped out early here too, what the sustainability impacts are going to be for a project. And the, these, you know, the OPEX and sustainability and safety, you know, extend over the entire plant's life cycle, which could be 30, 40, 50 years. So, um, you know, these, these, these factors that lock in those really critical things are actually determined very early in the project, not later. Uh, so that's kind of what, what, what feed is. Excellent. And now you just touched on it in this, la the last part of your answer there, because that's kind of where I wanted to go with this next question. And, and feed is critical in, but why is feed so critical to project outcomes? Yeah, you know, uh, I was I was thinking about talking to you today, and I started hearkening back to some earlier experiences I had on on the on the architecture side. And I don't know if you ever heard heard of the McLeamy curve, but uh, Patrick McLeamy was an architect at HOK, and and in the early 2000s, and I'm not sure this originated with him, but he started using this chart or graph, 
in the early 2000s. And ultimately, I think it's known now as the McClamey curve. But it's very simple. It's, it's, a, it's an X and Y axis uh, with two, two primary curves on it. One starts high on the X axis, I'm sorry, the Y axis and decreases with time. And the other curve uh, starts low on the Y axis and increases with, with time. And that line that decreases with time really represents you know, the ability to introduce change on a project. You start with, with big decisions on a project, like where is the plant going to be located? What's it going to produce? What's the volume it'll produce? And as you gradually get more and more granular with these decisions, you know, what, what technology are we going to use? Or what's the fuel source going to be? How many trains will it have? How much buffer storage will we use? You know, you, you kind of get the idea. You start to narrow down these decisions. But every time you make one of those decisions, you're narrowing your, your future options, right? And, and that, that second line on the curve, the one that starts low and, and, and grows over time, is on that McLean curve. Is, is really represents the cost and effort required to introduce any change to the project. So you can even, you can even follow that line all the way into construction, really and easy to see how much more expensive it would be to make any changes once you have people, equipment, materials, et cetera, mobilized to a, to a project site. Um, but, but even earlier, as time evolves and decisions are made, making changes becomes increasingly expensive. So given that your ability to implement changes decreases with time and that the cost and effort required to implement any of those changes increases with time, you know, decision-making becomes of the utmost importance at these early project phases, or as we say, during feed. And, he, you know, to make good decisions in this early process, you have to have good information and you have to have it early. And, you know, by good information, I mean information that's really well-grounded in engineering principles, that is considered all of your potential options for the design and the approach to design. Um, but also that's fully grounded in, in economics, right? Because at the end of the day, that's really what's going to drive the, the go and no-go decisions. So uh, that's why that's why feed is so critical, you know. No, absolutely. Yeah. It, it, and with it being so critical, whenever feed is is uh, is done, who who generally gets involved in these feed activities? Yeah, well, I mean, that's one of the challenges, is it really? Is that you know even though you're early in the project and it hasn't scaled up to the size and, uh, that it's going to be in later phases, you still have a large cast of characters involved from the owner side, from financiers, the technology licensors, the EPCs, and and within each of those you have you know many players, different disciplines, process engineers, mechanical engineers, electrical engineers, safety engineers, piping designers, estimators, procurement people. You know the list just keeps going on and on, and and if you think you know, it's hard making decisions on your own. You know, imagine needing input from, you know, dozens of people across different disciplines, across different organizations uh, about the project. So this is really one of the main challenges in feed. And I think why, you know, the concept of digitalization has taken such hold in this in this industry on the engineering side, because there's so much potential to uh, improve the way these people collaborate early on the, on the project. And, you know, really to the extent that those early project participants can come together and collaborate smoothly is absolutely, you know, going to determine, I think ultimately, you know, to some degree that the project's ultimate success. Absolutely. I can definitely see the challenge in that, especially when you have different or multiple people on one project uh, trying to figure out, you know, the nuts and bolts of, of, of the very beginning of something, which of course can be extremely expensive, capital intensive. So, yeah, I can definitely see exactly. that. So I'd like to know more about what I, I talked about in the intro, and that's concurrent feeds. So can you go a little bit more detail about what Aspen Tech's concept of, con, 
a con- uh, concurrent feed is? I mean, yeah, it, we we use this term concurrent feed, but it's really all about getting those early project participants able to work together more easily, to collaborate better and faster, bringing project data together, both from an engineering and a cost per- perspective for use in decision-making. So, you know, it's about starting with the concept of the digital twin very early in the project lifecycle. I mean, even at concept stage, using a digital twin to fully understand, you know, the technology implications, what the design options are, um, having those different disciplines come together, the process engineers, safety engineers, mechanical engineers, all working together smoothly from the beginning, working in tools that are connected with a common underlying data model so that if there's a change in one discipline, it can be quickly reflected in another discipline because there's so many dependencies interdependencies between, you know, the work that these guys do. Um, you know, and it's also about having an economic model that's connected and evolves with the engineering data, right? Because the, the financial implications are, are such drivers of these projects. And, and of course, every time there's an engineering change, there's going to be an associated, you know, cost change. So, you know, we view concurrency in, in, in feed as not just the engineering, but with, with economics as well. I mean, it, it take just, for instance, our modeling tools, right? M- many people are familiar with our process simulation tools like Aspen or Plus or Hisis. And, and just within those tools alone are, are kind of these AI-driven guideposts for the process engineer where they can understand, you know, different implications of their decisions on, you know, the equipment, on the, on the, on the capital cost, on the operating cost. So, you know, the, as the process engineer is working through those options, you know, you can quickly evaluate different trade-offs that might be available to her. Um, and, and then, you know, we, we we're continue to add to our suite here. I mean, we, we acquired a company called OptiPlant. And, and the engineering data that's developed in simulation can now flow directly, right, into this OptiPlant tool, which is a 3D spatial layout tool where piping engineers can kind of lay out the facility spatially because, you know, once you do the simulation, you're going to have a, a PFD, a process flow diagram, but you have no idea really what that's going to look like spatially on a site with the different site constraints, et cetera. So um, being able to move that simulation, that engineering data from the simulation into kind of a spatial 3D layout tool and understand how all that equipment is going to relate to each other and fit together is is super helpful. And then that same tool uses AI to generate um, automatic, uh, automatically generated piping, lay- piping routings and layouts. So, I mean, piping is one of the most expensive, you know, items in the in these plants. And to the extent that you can find the most efficient, economical way to route that piping, um, is is is, is and, and you can see right how as you evolve from from simulation into into three, you know, conceptual 3D layout, the level of engineering detail just keeps increasing. And so, so let's assume you've got the, the simulation, you've got that now, at least a conceptual layout. You know, this can be used to generate the next, the next iteration of quantities and material takeoffs, which flow directly into our estimating tool. Again, linking the engineering data to the estimate so that it's always kind of up to date with respect to the, the, uh, the project. And really our intent is reuse of data. It's really to, to enable the reuse of data without having to, to rekey it in. We're helping eliminate some of those manual handoffs of data, um, which has been such a historical challenge, you know, across this part of the project. When you have multiple disciplines running across multiple companies and phases working in different tools, those manual data handoffs have been really a, a real anchor and drain on the industry in, in, in terms of having to force rework and, you know, rekeying manual information, errors, redundancies, rework, et cetera, checking and rechecking documents. It's really uh, time-consuming and expensive. It's an overhead, and it prevents mm-hmm. you from getting to the best 
decision, the best design options as early as possible during feed. So, I mean, that's really where we're at now is working to ensure that that engineering and cost data continues to persist, uh, you know, across disciplines, across phases, eventually into detail engineering, so it can become the foundation of things like P&IDs and, and 3D models and even project budgets. Yeah, no, I'm glad you mentioned some of those challenges because, yeah, those have been <laughs> detrimental for many, many years, so I'm glad you mentioned that. Um, my One of my last questions, though, is, okay, so all of this stuff happens for feed. So my, my next question, of course, is then what happens after feed? Yeah, I mean, it's a good question, right? I mean, because uh, assuming the FID gets the green light and they're going to proceed, you know, what happens to all that engineering and even and even cost information. And, you know, we view it very holistically. I mean, we're, we see us as part of a broader solution for plant design, engineering, and even operations, uh, you know, ourselves, but also with key partners like Hexagon and Emerson. So that, you know, all that engineering knowledge, project knowledge that's and wisdom that's developed in those early phases can persist into, into downstream phases and be leveraged across the life cycle for training, for startup, for operations and maintenance, for equipment troubleshooting, you know, predictive maintenance, generally optimizing, you know, throughput and quality as conditions change, right? And, 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 and engineering, engineering conditions change. So, you know, it's dynamic. Right. Uh, we recently introduced uh, a new technology for hybrid models, which is this combination of first principles and machine learning to help ensure that the engineering models that were developed during feed, during constant and feed, can can continue to be leveraged, you know, through those different project phases. But, you know, those models need to be kept up to date because things can change, conditions change, equipment conditions change, weather changes, feedstocks change, and and one of the most important things, you know, that we can do to uh, to to keep the plant operating, you know, safely and efficiently and 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 at maximum profitability um, is to ensure that we understand the, the capabilities of that plant and as those capabilities change over time. So that combination of the first principles models from products like Hisis, augmented then by you know AI and machine learning analytics from actual operating data, really help the owner, you know, get the most out of their investment in the front end engineering piece to to run the the plant more effectively. I mean, ultimately, we see, you know, the models and, and data eventually even informing future future capital projects. You know, we, we're trying to, if, if the company has already done, you know, five of a certain type and they want to design a sixth, well, wouldn't it make sense that they can leverage all the, the data that they've accumulated from operating those other five in, in designing that, that sixth one? So I guess to us, it really comes, you know, full circle from feed through O&M and, and back to the next project, whether it's a revamp or a new one, uh, back, back to feed again. Excellent. Well, I have one just before we go, just because I think there's a lot to unpack here, especially with a lot of the digital technologies that are out there now, and especially with Aspen Tech, uh, y'all designed some of the some of the best stuff for people to streamline these type of processes, especially in the early engineering and design of a of a plant unit, you know, et cetera. So. People that are listening now, is there a specific place they can go, uh, you know, is it the Aspen Tech website? Where can they go to find out, say, more information about some of these some of these digital technologies that can help them with with their with their capital projects? Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, they, they can go to the website for more information. But let's see, it's it's May 27th. We we just finished uh, our, our our annual biannual uh, optimized conference where we had, I think, 200 presentations, mostly from customers. And there are some great ones in there on, on on feed, in particular from from our customers. And I would say that's the best that'd be that's the best source of information is go talk to our customers. Um, 
you know, and, and so if customers could still, or anybody could still go online right now um, to optimize21.com, quickly register and access, you know, a plethora of information about feed, concurrent feed, about OptiPlan, about the simulators, about the estimating tools, about using them together. There's a great presentation from Exxon Mobile that, that's on there. For instance, there's one from Floor and, and, and there are many others. So um, that's a great, that's a great resource. And I, I, I strongly encourage people to go take a look at that as well. Excellent. Yeah, I've, I've been to those in the past and I went to the to the online version this year as well. And uh, yeah, it's great. I mean, because you can actually see these products, not just talked about on paper, but people actually use it and they can show you exactly how it benefits uh, what they're doing. So yeah, I, I really recommend it. Optimize is always a great, great resource. Yeah, uh, and, and so this actually work. <laughs> yeah, and this is the first year we've gone digital with Optimize, right? So the, the the upside to that is that that those presentations now are going to persist persist there for a while anyway, for people to go back and look at it, as opposed to having to been there in person. So it's it's a it's it's I, I feel fortunate that we now have that kind of treasure trove of content that people can go access for a while. Excellent. Well, again, thank you so much for your time today, Paul. We really appreciate it. Uh, really interesting stuff that's going on, especially in this in the feed uh, the feed section of a, of a, of a capital project uh, and kind of some of the digital technologies that's going on there. So really can't, can't thank you enough for giving us a couple minutes of your time today. My pleasure, Leah. Happy to be with you. Excellent. And of course, we again want to thank all of you for listening to the latest installment of Hydrocarbon Processing's podcast series, The Main Column.